What's happening? Thanks for joining us. The debate continues and rages who the real home run champ is. Uh, Marty Lurie is going to join us in just a second. John Shea is at 10.50. Uh, we'll talk more with John Sterling at the Yankees side of things. Yankees broadcaster at 11.50. we got a bunch of NFL that we'll put in between that. But Marty joins us courtesy of the Umagessi. sign. What's happening? Good morning. How are you guys doing? <laughs> How are you doing? Great argument. John, you make good points. Pop, of course, right there with you. Very good. All right, I go back in time. We just heard the great uh, Phil Rizzuto's call, the huckleberry that he is, uh, the home run by by Roger Maris. I grew up listening to, to Phil Rizzuto on Yankee games. But uh, the, the summer of 61 and the, 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 the hero, the American hero, really, uh, Mickey Mantle, the M&M boys, Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle. When did it first dawn on you that, that one of these two maybe would get the Bambino's record, Marty? Well, it was around July, I remember, in the middle of the summer, and it was a doubleheader, I'll never forget it, Pop, uh, against the White Sox, and uh, it was July the 25th, I looked it up this morning, and uh, Maris hit two home runs in the first game, 37 and 38, Mantle hit 38 in that first game, then the second game, I'll never forget it, Maris came back and hit two more, and he had 40 home runs on July the 25th. And that got my attention. I think it got the baseball world's attention, too, to get that 40 number, and it wasn't even August yet. So that's the first point for me. Uh, in terms of just, uh, you know, the Maris family came out, and I completely understand their argument on this whole thing, and this is something that's that's raged on for a long time. But, but to you, who's the champ? Well, for me, uh, it depends what day of the week you ask me. Sure. But um, honestly, Thursday, I, September twenty. <laughs> right what's now. today, John? Twenty nine. Yeah, today's the twenty ninth. Yeah, ten thirty seven a.m. Honestly, I would say Bonds uh, because he hit seventy three home runs. Whether it was aided by steroids or not, there's there's so many layers of this thing to uh, to peel away. But, uh, Pop, you said it. Uh, it's whatever your interpretation is. And a very quick story. Judge Edward Stern uh, performed a wedding. And in the Jewish wedding, you, you break the glass. And Judge Stern said to everybody, there are a million stories as to why you break the glass. Choose the one you want, and that'll be the one for you. And, Pop, that's what you said about interpreting Choose who you want. If you want to believe it's Bonds, go ahead. If you want to believe it's uh, Joe, uh, Aaron Judge, believe it. Whatever you want to do. Well, I broke the glass because my father-in-law was glaring at me the whole day, Marty. So I, <laughs> and I was, That's I was, a good reason. I was concerned about okay. getting a heel and not breaking my shoe as well. I had plat- platform shoes on then. Um, so going back, and I watched uh, 61 last night. It's a fascinating summer, one of the great years in baseball history, expansion, 154 games to 162, but Mickey Mantle was America's hero. Roger Maris just went through hell that year, lost his hair. Uh, the media was really hard, hard on him. Uh, as you go back in time, and I know you were on the East Coast, but you were in Florida then, did, did, did America want Mickey to break that record? This is, this is Babe Ruth's record. Do they want Mickey to break the record and not Maris? How did that all work? And then you told a, a fascinating story about Mel Allen and a doctor, Dr. Feelgood, because Mickey was battling injuries all year, and he drank so hard, obviously, to you know cover up a lot of the pain with a knee, but he had a weird situation in late September that year, Marty. Well, Mickey was the, the fair-haired boy. Mickey won the Triple Crown in 1956. If there was ever going to be an heir to the throne of Babe Ruth, it was going to be a Yankee, and it was going to be Mickey Mantle. He was the one. As the summer went on, the antagonism built up against Roger Maris because, as John said, he had never done this before. He was not worthy. He was a 270 hitter. 
So he was not worthy of breaking Babe Ruth's record, but Mantle was. So the country rooted for Mantle. I think baseball rooted for Mantle. The commissioner of baseball, Ford Frick, was a ghostwriter for Babe Ruth way back in the 20s before he became a PR guy, before he became president of the National League and eventually the commissioner. He was doing everything he could to denigrate the record that Maris was heading towards. Maris was not worthy. He had to do it in 154 games or it wouldn't count and all that kind of stuff. So that was building up. That was building up the whole summer. Everybody wanted Mantle. Well, it got to September, and uh, Maris had the lead on Mantle. Mantle was right there with 50 home runs. Maris had a couple more. And then Mickey got sick. Uh, He had the flu. He had respiratory issues. He was worn out. And look, Mickey partied all the time, even though they lived with Bob Serve, who was a conservative guy. (laughs) They they all lived together. Mickey would have things going on all the time. So he was tired. So they're on a plane coming back from uh, Boston, and Mickey had just hit his 54th home run. And he says to Mel Allen, the great Hall of Fame broadcaster, Mel, I'm just not feeling real good. So Mel says, don't worry, Mickey. I'm going to take you to Dr. Jacobson, who was known as Dr. Feelgood. (laughs) And uh, he was in New York, and he was a doctor to JFK. He traveled with the president uh, to different uh, political events. Uh, Dr. Feelgood was there for Eddie Fisher, Johnny Mathis, all these different people. And people went to him for his special injection. Well, his special injection turned out to be pretty much amphetamines, And who knows what else he put in there. But they were called pep pills in those days. So Mickey goes and gets the uh, shot from Dr. Feelgood. And Dr. Feelgood didn't have a great day. He missed. And he shot it too high in Mickey's hip. Mm. And Mickey developed an infection and an abscess and basically did not play the rest of September. Now Maris is going on and on with 50 home runs, 53, 54. And we're getting close to game 154. And is he going to do it? And, Pop, you watched 61 last night. He gets into game 154. He's hit 59 now. And he has a shot at 60. And Ford Frick has said it's got to happen now or it doesn't count. And the country was believing that. And he gets in there and uh, hits a home run, uh, number 59, off Mill Pappas. And then the end of the game, they bring in... Hoyt Wilhelm. Tom Candiotti, actually, in the movie. Who's played in the movie <laughs> by Candy. Yep, and Candy Mary's told own. me, he said, nobody could even catch my knuckleball. Uh, basically, <laughs> no, you know, I had to basically just throw a pitch right over the plate so at least they could hit it. And uh, so they bring in Hoyt Wilhelm. Wilhelm throws knuckleball. I remember seeing the game clear as in my mind on wow. TV. Wow. And uh, he grounded back to the mound, and that was it for Check game Check swing, one. yeah. Yep, 154. I'll, I'll never forget it. And, you know, the, those days it was black and white TV and, you know, the lighting wasn't great. But I still can see that ball, that check swing going back to the back to the mound. So then the season goes on and we get to game 158 and uh, he ends up against the Orioles again and he hits number 60. And now uh, is he going to hit 61? He's tied the babe. Is he going to hit 61? And he doesn't hit another one until game 162. And he hits it off of Tracy Stallard in the third inning. It's into the right field seats. And that porch was built for Babe Ruth. It was built for Roger Maris as well, for all these left-handed hitters. And he hits it, and the Yankees end up winning that game one to nothing on Maris's home run. So the guy catches the ball in right field, Sal Durante. 
And there's a restaurateur here in Northern California that offers him $5,000 for the home run ball that Maris hits. So he's a nice kid. He's a New Yorker. He goes up to the clubhouse and he says to Roger, here's the ball. You should have it. And Maris says, nah, kid, you keep it, sell it, make some money. And that's how Sal Durante ends up with the ball, and he sells it for his $5,000. So now Maris has broken the record. Ford Frick puts this asterisk in the record books, and uh, and Maris, his hair has fallen out. Uh, he comes out for a curtain call after 61. They have to push him out of the dugout about five times, and he finally comes out, and it's an amazing finish to the 61 season. Now, you, you asked me about uh, home runs and why there's so many home runs. And, John, I'll tell you this. It was the expansion year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went from eight to ten teams. The pitching was watered down. The league was watered down. The Yankees won 109 games, 109 of 53. Mantle hit behind Maris, as Pop says, so Maris got better pitches to hit. Always had people on ahead of him, drove in 130 runs, scored 130 runs. He had an amazing season. So the country didn't really grasp Maris. They didn't want to because Babe Ruth was the hero and Mickey was the guy they wanted to break the record. See, those stories are absolutely amazing and gives people uh, proper context on everything. But what you just said, and I'm not, again, I'm not here to say that Barry Bonds didn't use because he did. But what you just pointed out is that's why it's hard to compare eras, hard to compare records. Because like you said, you got watered down pitching, you got a certain guy hitting behind you who's a who's a Hall of Famer. All these different things factor into why somebody does what they do. And so when people compare eras and compare records, it becomes very difficult. Because if you have watered down pitching, you can hit 61. If you don't have watered down pitching, the most you ever hit was 39. I'm not disparaging uh, Roger Maris. I'm simply saying that there are circumstances around everything. Well, that's the way baseball works. Uh, you know, you can go back, uh, as Pop pointed out, to travel. Uh, you know, you didn't fly to L.A. You didn't play against African-American players, at, you know, during Ruth's time. Uh, baseball was always different. There's oh, Every era is different. So the home run record is whatever you wanted to believe. Bonds hit 73. I saw it. He didn't miss a pitch. He got one pitch to hit, and he hit it 480 feet. It was incredible to watch it. If it got it there because of steroids, that's that's another story. Uh, Maris hit these line drive home runs. He had a tremendous season. Now, John, you bring up the point, why didn't he do it again? Well, he got hurt, and he had a problem with his hand. And there were a lot of people who said, well, he just doesn't want to play. Maris was a very sullen guy, and he wasn't popular with the press. He would blow the press off. They would, they'd wait by his locker, and he wouldn't come out and all that kind of stuff. In those days, it wasn't like, oh, we love you. You know, how can we help you? You know, they're after him. And uh, they got that way on Maris. So he was hurt, and uh, he was a Yankee for a few other years. Look, they won the World Series in 63, 64, they lost it, Uh, 65, then the Twins won, 66, the Orioles, and Maris was gone. And he went to the Cardinals in 67. And And Orlando Cepeda told me, he says, I played with a lot of players. Maris was one of the best, or maybe the best. Of course, Willie was the best. But Maris was so good, Cepeda never, ever forgot it, how good Roger Maris was. And he told me that the guy never made mistakes on the field. So it wasn't a – he was maybe a one-shot wonder to 61, 
but he was an outstanding, outstanding baseball player. And he won the MVP the year before. Twice. When he drove at 112. Yeah, he went back to back in 60 and 61. He was a tremendous right fielder. You know, the the play that he made at uh, Candlestick in, in 62. <laughs> uh, Willie's listening. We'll talk to John Shea about that when he cut the ball off and the rain had something to do with it. Very simply, Marty, should Roger Maris, you know, we're going over the, you know, what's the record and all that. That's people's opinion. But the quality of the player, the record that he established, he won back-to-back MVPs. He's, you cannot tell the history of baseball without talking about the M&M boys and Roger Maris. Why is he not in the Hall of Fame? Should Roger Maris be in the Hall of Fame? Probably not uh, on the you know on the standards of the Hall of Fame on longevity uh, and the one outstanding season. I mean, it got Bill Mazeroski into the Hall of Fame, his home run in 1960 that won the World Series. But uh, I, I think when you look at the the entirety of the career, it started in uh, Cleveland, then he went to Kansas City, and then was traded to the Yankees and had a good run with the Yankees. Uh, and of course, with the Cardinals, but uh, did it amount to a Hall of Fame career? It's a good argument, but in my personal opinion, probably not. Uh, the numbers weren't there, the hits weren't there. Uh, some amazing seasons at a time when baseball <clears throat> was changing because uh, of expansion. Uh, so I would say no, honestly. Uh, you can make a good argument for it, but when it comes right down to it, I'd say he's probably not a Hall of Famer. Great stuff. Marty, thanks for the insight, man. It's always uh, good to catch up with you. No, it's good. And, uh, you know, one last thing Pop said, uh, the throw from Maris uh, to yeah. the plate. Yeah, yeah. Come on, the throw to the plate uh, was, you know, the ball was in the mud. He was in the mud in right field. And if that ball was thrown to the side or if he overthrows Elston Howard or if it's not a perfect throw to the plate, Matty Alou scores. That was Matty, yeah, yeah. And Willie Mays always, would have scored, right? Yeah, Willie, Willie always says say, that. Willie, if you're listening, you know you've said it to me a million times. If I was running, <laughs> I would have scored. Why'd he lock Well, he's the one that up? hit the ball, so it'd be hard for him to score from first. I know, but if he was the one who was on first when the ball yeah, was hit in that doubt. spot, he says, I would have scored. Whitey Lockman could not have held me up. I would have scored. So the throw by Maris is always one of those daggers into the heart of San Francisco. Say hey, kid, was at the ballpark last night, Marty. I know. I saw the picture today. Uh, I'm thrilled. I haven't seen him in two years since uh, spring training in Arizona, and uh, he's the best. His stories are still great, and the doctor said last night his cognitive powers are still sharp as ever, and uh, I love him. He, it was one of the thrills in my life, uh, getting to be his interviewer for the shows we did, and uh Look, I'm a kid from Brooklyn. You know me. I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and uh, now I'm talking to Willie Mays. So what a baseball story. That is awesome. Thank you so much for the insight. We'll talk to you soon. Love it. Okay, Thank you, thanks, Marty. Guys. That is Happy. the great Marty Lurie. Great insight into uh, Bonds, Maris, Aaron Judge in 61 last night.